My name is Andy Varley. I'm the founder and CEO of Insanity based in Soho in the West End of London and in Los Angeles. We are a global entertainment company and recently launched our record label joint venture with Sony Music UK. I strongly believe that to be successful in life, you must persevere. Who influenced you growing up and what do you think they taught you? I think it's probably a bit of a cliched answer, but my parents. Um, I was really fortunate to grow up with parents that were, from a very early age, very supportive of what I wanted to do with my career. Um, I think because I, I started the company when I was quite young, they were always aware of the fact that I was somebody that would do anything to try and make money. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say that money is like a motivator for me now, but as a kid, it was like, okay, great. So my parents are from a working class background. Mm -hmm. uh, my pocket money was limited. I think I got uh, £1.50 a week. Mm -hmm. um, maybe at the most actually. So it was always, how can I make extra money to be able to go and afford to do things with my friends that I wouldn't be able to do on, on my pocket money. So uh, so yeah, my parents were always super, super supportive. So I think everything from encouraging me to uh, go to work with my dad from a very, very young age. Uh, my dad was a, a washing machine engineer. Um, the family had an electrical business, so as my dad kind of decided that he didn't want to didn't want to repair washing machines anymore, he uh, he took over the family uh, electrical business. Um, so I was always encouraged to go to work with him. Uh, my dad was a big football fan as well, and our local team, Gillingham Football Club. My dad actually worked in the ticket office. So again, as a kid, I was always going to work with my dad, both uh, repairing washing machines and also going to watch him sell tickets at the football club. So I guess my first job really then ended up being a programme seller at, at Gillingham, mm -hmm. um, something which I enjoyed because it got me free access to the, to the games uh, and it also gave me the understanding of negotiating as well. Um, so I think at that time programmes were maybe like 30p each or mm -hmm. something. Um, so I'd always do this thing where people would give me a 50p and I'd be like, oh, I'm really sorry, I don't have any 20ps for change. They'd be like, it's fine, just keep Genius. it, it's all good. Uh, so that was my kind of first foray into wheeling and dealing and money making, I guess. But, um, but yeah, my, my parents understood that I probably wasn't going to work for anybody but myself, mm -hmm. probably from quite a young age. And they always really encouraged me to do that. But, okay, is it true you started Insanity when you were 17 in your bedroom? Okay, so technically, Insanity in its current form started age 17 in my bedroom. Um, but Insanity in its previous phase, which was a computer software company, what? Uh, actually started when I was 12 years old. So uh, people often ask me like where the name Insanity came from. That was my next question. Okay. Uh, so I remember being on a holiday uh, with my family. Yeah, I would have been aged maybe 11, 11 and a half, 12. Um, and my brother and my older cousin, my brother's three years older than me, so he would have been, yeah, 15, 16 at the time. Um, my brother and my older cousin were talking about the fact that they wanted to start a computer software company together. Mm -hmm. And Back in those days, there were computers called Amiga computers, mm -hmm. um, which we had. Uh, our parents bought us a computer for our kind of joint Christmas present. And you could legally copy what was called public domain software, PD software. And there were so many little kind of companies that started selling 
PD games. And the idea was that you could copy them, you got more games, it built up your own collection and you can make some money out of it. Um, so my brother and, and my cousin had this idea of setting up this, this, this company and they decided to call it Insanity PD. Uh, anyway, maybe six months or so went by and uh, my brother and my cousin were obviously busy with their schoolwork and the company didn't come off the ground. Because um, you're 12. <laughs> because we were very young. <laughs> and um, and I, I really remember quite clearly one day my brother opening up a, uh, an Amiga computer magazine, flicking through it, checking out the latest games that had been released and then flicking to the back in the kind of like classified ad section and he was like, you're never gonna guess what, someone's only gone and set up a company called Insanity PD, and they're now selling the games in the same way, same way that we were going to. So I'm kind of like sheepishly sitting in the corner, and then he says, and you're never gonna guess what, they're actually from the same area that we live in. Uh, so obviously it all then became apparent that actually I'd set up this company called Insanity PD, um, that I'd registered the business and started trading. Hold on. When I was 12, I was not doing that. How do you know how to set up a business at that age? Do you know what? I think it was just one of those things that I was always surrounded by my dad who ran the family business, my grandfather who was a former banker that had then taken over the family business from my great-grandfather. Mm -hmm. um, and there was just this kind of line of entrepreneurs that kind of were in our family, I guess. So I suppose, is it in our blood? I was gonna Maybe. say it freaks me out because it sounds like fate that this is the only job you've ever known and yeah. the only name that you've ever owned. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange mad. to think about it. And, and obviously with the company now being, I guess, 20 years old as an entertainment company, but obviously yeah. technically 25 years old as insanity in some form or another. That seems really, really strange. But I think that, like, from my perspective, I remember, like, starting... I mean, put it this way, even as, as a kid, like, starting secondary school, um, I had a bit of a shaky start into secondary education mm -hmm. in the sense that within two months of starting secondary school, I was busted for selling booze to my mates. Clever, though. Um, I thought so. Very kind of, uh, yeah, probably not the right thing to do. Slightly irresponsible, but but definitely was a way for me to, as I thought back then, to to, to make some money. Yeah. But I guess it kind of started around that time, and I was forever coming up with ideas of what I could do to 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 to, to make some money and mm. to to be involved in. I don't know, providing some sort of a customer service. So, so yeah, that's kind of when the, the, the company name was registered. But as you say, 17, uh, so 1997, age 17, was when the, the company itself and its current form within entertainment became a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess Amiga computers had been uh, made obsolete, so that kind of stopped. I became a teenager and was more interested in girls and going out to parties than I was yeah. uh, selling computer games for my bedroom. And, and I guess, really for me, I, I, I started to become more and more interested in music and TV and radio and I guess films to a certain extent, big being my favourite film of all time. Uh, to such an extent, that I actually, uh, I actually had like a brief foray in, in part of Insanity being uh, 
a, a company that represented photographers, um, stylists, and hair oh, and makeup wow. artists. And that company was called Josh Baskin Limited. Lovely. Josh Baskin being Tom <coughs> Hanks's character in Big. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I guess in its kind of current vibe, since I was seventeen years old, and and I guess it started by a friend of mine at school being, or friends of mine from school being in a band together. Um, they entered the Battle of the Bands competition. Uh, they didn't win it, but I came up with this kind of what I thought was an ingenious idea for them to, uh, for for me to throw a Battle of the Bands competition and for them to win it. I thought that'd be great. That would get them a record deal. Mm -hmm. They'd become hugely successful and mm -hmm. they'd be the next Beatles. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did that and I, I, I guess the date that I say the company started is the 27th of November 1997 mm -hmm. because that was the date that I threw the Battle of the Bands competition. How many people were working with you at that time? It was just me. Just you. It was just me and it was uh, some help from, <laughs> some help on certain occasions from my mum answering nice. phone calls, pretending to be my secretary. Um, and then how has it grown over the years? I guess it's kind of grown over the years, like very organically. Um, I think that's really important in business. I think people often say to me, God, you're, the company's going for, been going for 20 years now. Like, how have you managed to s sustain that? And I think really it's about uh, constant reinvestment. It's about believing in your product or your service. And it's about natural growth rather than forced growth. And I think that's always been the case. So kind of going back to the very start, the, the Battle of the Bands competition then led to uh, a bunch of the bands that had entered asking me if I might be able to get them some more gigs. That resulted in uh, essentially what is a, an, an agency starting with me trying to find uh, shows and gigs and festivals and performances for the, for the bands to do to become more recognised. Mm. Um, around that time as well, my brother, whose company name I stole, age 12, uh, had finished his uh, degree and he was, he, he was basically trained in e-commerce and website design. And it was around the whole time of like the dot-com boom, mm -hmm. uh, when more and more kind of web-based businesses were starting. Mm -hmm. uh, I was really keen to post A-levels to go to university, but took a year out before I did. So during that year out, I was trying to figure out a way of making this agency automated. Mm -hmm. uh, so I worked with my brother who designed this great website, um, which was insanitygroup.com, the website uh, that we still use to this day. Um, and insanitygroup.com became almost like an online uh, forum for bands to be able to upload their music, uh, to upload a photo, to upload their biog, and then for promoters to go onto the website and to be able to book that band at a click of a button. So I charged like a facilitation fee, which was, I don't know, a measly like 10 pound per gig that was booked. Mm -hmm. But the website started with like four or five bands up to the point that when I finished university, this website business was still running and at the point that I'd finished university I think there was about three and a half thousand bands that were registered from all over the world mm -hmm. and so that facilitation fee of £10 per show suddenly turns into meaningful revenue. And how many people work in this office and you've all, you're also in LA yep. so what are you combined? How many? So uh, headcount currently is 25 in the management offices here 
uh, in Soho. We have uh, five people working for our record label joint venture with Sony Music uh, out of High Street Kensington. And we have uh, two people on the ground uh, in Los Angeles. At what point did you know you'd made it? Or do you not think you've made it? I, to be honest, I don't feel like I have. Um, I think from my perspective, it's always about this uh, continuous improvement of what you're doing. Um, I feel very proud of where we've got to to this point. If you'd asked me maybe two, three years ago, if we'd have a record label joint venture with Sony Music and be scoring number one albums, I'd probably say no. If you'd asked me whether we'd have essentially 32 people working for the company uh, based out of three offices, mm -hmm. I'd probably say no. Mm -hmm. um, but we want our clients to achieve more, whether it's uh, a TV presenter, a radio broadcaster, a musician, mm -hmm an athlete on our sport mm -hmm. roster. Uh, we're constantly wanting our clients to achieve greatness. And I think with that comes a self-inflicted uh, desire to achieve bigger and better things. So yeah, I think for me, it's like, I think I will feel like I've made it mm -hmm. probably at the point that I retire. Um, God knows when that will be. Uh, but from, from my point of view, just coming to work every day still fills me with a huge amount of excitement. I'm learning every day, and I think that's something that's really important to me. The day that I stop learning will probably be the day that I kind of chuck it all in. What's the greatest lesson you've ever learned? Uh, it's funny, actually. I actually have a poster uh, that was in my office that I actually recently took home uh, and is now by my front door. Uh, and the poster says, uh, work hard and be nice to people. And I think that's really, really important because you constantly need to be motivating your team. Uh, and in order to motivate a team, I don't really believe in a sort of dictatorship of a working environment. I think people that work for Insanity have the autonomy to kind of do what they feel they should be doing for the clients that they represent. And also as well, the autonomy to sign clients that they really believe in. Yeah. We always ask ourselves uh, two key questions when we're considering taking on a client. Number one, do we like them? Uh, really important. And number two, do we think we can make a difference to their career? And if the answer to both of those questions is yes, then generally we'll, we'll take that client on. Good to know you had that conversation about me at some <laughs> point. <laughs> um, do you know what? That's funny because I, when I was researching you, I found um, something you said in a Media Week article mm -hmm. that was, you don't have to be a wanker to be in the music industry. Do you care to um, tell me a bit more about that? I think it was one of those things that when Music Week ran that article, I was hugely embarrassed by the, uh, the headline that they had grabbed but actually um, the feedback that I got from it was amazing and I think it was it's one of those things you there's there's this kind of belief I guess that if you work within talent management or within the music industry or within television whatever it might be that you do have to be a bit of an idiot to kind of uh, get your own way you mm. have to throw your weight around mm. uh, you have to uh, treat people disrespectfully. Mm. For me, it's not really about that. And some of the people that I admire most in the industry are people that have always stayed like truly grounded in terms of what they're doing and, and what they've achieved. 
Well, do you worry about your clients? Because, you know, there are so many cases of people crumbling under the pressures mm -hmm. of fame. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like you need to just hold their hand a bit, give them a bit of a hug? Absolutely, and that's what we do. I think we have a very much a family mentality within Insanity. Um, Kirsty, my now business partner, um, and Helen, who joined shortly uh, after, we both have this nurturing way about us. Mm -hmm. And I think there's often been cases over the years where you're role as a as a manager to a client mm. doesn't stop at negotiating a deal but also does fall into their personal life as well mm -hmm. i guess uh one of our very very early clients on our broadcast roster was peaches geldoff who we signed when she was 15 years old and we managed her all the way through to when she unfortunately passed away and that was a a huge huge experience for us to have to deal with um the, the press fallout, the family, the, the, the sadness that we all felt that she wasn't around anymore. And, and I think it was at that time that you do realize, God, we, we, we're responsible for managing these clients' careers, but also we have a real duty of care towards the managers within the company that manage the clients, because quite often they might be embroiled in anything from a relationship break up to something as tragic as as peaches passing away i don't think anyone saw that coming i actually saw her a week before mm -hmm. and i remember she shook my hand and she went you gotta work on that that's weak <laughs> it sounded like peaches yeah I peaches know. had this innate ability of walking into a room and making even the most seasoned executive scared feel uncomfortable i felt tiny yeah but it was a really lovely experience and yeah. i'll never forget it but Anyway, what are your feelings about the fickleness of the entertainment industry? This idea that someone can be shot to fame as quickly as they can lose it, and these people who just live in fear of losing it overnight? I mean, I guess it is a pretty fickle industry in the sense that you've always got to uh, watch your back and watch the backs of those people that you work alongside. Mm. Again, the team that we have at Insanity is very much built around that. We all do genuinely have each other's backs. Mm. Um, but also, it's it's a pretty crazy business. No two days are the same. Um, somebody once told me that out of chaos comes creativity. Yep. And I think that that is something that I preach on a daily basis. Uh, this office is generally a bit of a madhouse. Mm -hmm. There's always a load of stuff going on there might be the phones might be ringing off the hook and then there's clients that are coming in and then there's another client that's coming in and both the clients want your time and attention yeah. um, but it's great I love nothing more than getting late night calls from uh, Kirsty and the team in LA uh, saying that there's a shit storm that's happening and mm -mm. and uh, we need to kind of figure <laughs> out a way of, 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 of putting it right or if you wake up first thing in the morning and there's a press story that's run on one of your clients you then have to deal with, or if you, you're, you're kind of walking home at the end of the day from work and uh, somebody from the label's gone down to see an amazing show for a new client that you might be looking to sign and yeah. they're calling you excited with great news. But to kind of counterbalance that, there might then be... I, I, I think I'd, I'd look at this business as being very cyclical. It's like full, full of ups and downs. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, you might start the day with some amazing piece of news, but then by lunchtime, maybe your client hasn't got onto a radio playlist and you feel yeah. uh, deeply pissed off with your job. But 
I love it. It's great. Well, let's talk about, so you've just merged with Sony mm -hmm. to create Insanity Records. Was that always a goal for you? You know what? It was one of those things that I had started a conversation within our music management team uh, back in 2014. We, we were talking about the idea of creating some kind of a development business. So uh, we, we talked about the fact that it'd be great to find a partner that we could buddy up with that would be able to help us develop artists uh, and then get them to market. Mm. So I suppose those ideas then started to kind of uh, lead to meetings with some people that we thought might be uh, potential partners for us. And one of those people that I ended up meeting was Jason Eilie from uh, the chairman of Sony Music UK. And we went for breakfast and we spoke about the idea of the development business and Jason turned around and said, well, it sounds to me like you should be starting a record label. Let's do something together. Uh, so those conversations started kind of early 2015 and, and I guess by summer of 2015 we'd come up with a way of working out a deal and, and we later that year we launched a frontline label venture with Sony Music uh, called Insanity Records mm -hmm. and it's been a complete whirlwind but something that has taught me a huge amount has probably made me a better manager actually mm -hmm. and everybody that is fortunate enough within the company to also uh, work within the record label as well they've definitely become better managers because you're learning the intricacies and the ins and outs of how a major record label works yeah. and it makes you appreciate the job of a record label executive more than you maybe did when you were on the other side as a manager. Mm. I actually, let me show you something. I saw this the other day. This was on your Instagram. So this is the lineup of the Brit Awards 2017. It's ridiculous. You had Alice Levine hosting for ITV2, Craig David nominated Best Male, Goldilocks hosting for River Island, Joe Wiley hosting for BBC Radio 2, Breathe. Maya Jammer, official Brits Facebook Live presenter, Roman Kemp hosting for Capital FM, Shy FX DJing Sony's After Party, and Vic Hope hosting for Four Music. What? You basically owned the Brit Awards. These are all your clients. I mean, how did that make you feel? I mean, it was a hugely proud moment. Um, I think it was one of those days when you wake up and you realise how hard everybody within the company mm. had worked to get the best looks for their clients mm. around the Brits. Uh, everybody that managed those clients was there on the evening to ensure that their clients were doing what they should be doing and that our clients were providing uh, the best service for whoever it was that they were employed to work for that evening. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, the Brits is always a really fun evening anyway, and it's a great opportunity for the whole of the music industry to celebrate what an amazing uh, 12 months uh, the, the UK business has had. Uh, but yeah, to have so many clients playing a part in that was, was, was a really to, proud moment, actually. I wanted to like it five times over. <laughs> Do you have a record here that you're most proud of or that there's a great story behind? Um, or you an know award what, actually, you're most proud of? Probably, I'd probably say this one here. So, I'll take this off the wall for a minute. So this is um, a disc that I received for uh, DJ Fresh's album, Next Levelism. Um, Dan Fresh kind of came to me uh, around 70 years ago, actually, and said that he uh, was like an underground drum and bass DJ 
who um, essentially wanted to become more mainstream. Uh, he was running a record label and felt like all of his time and his attention was being taken away from being an artist and a producer because he was busy running a business, something that I can definitely relate to. Mm. Uh, so we started to work together. He definitely uh, put some trust in me to guide him within that career. Um, and I guess kind of seven years later, he's sold probably in excess of three million records globally. Um, in fact, actually, I've got a really nice award here. This was the, uh, the number one single awards that we got on the 16th of July, 2011, uh, when his single Louder, uh, which also featured in a big kind of Lucas A campaign. Lucas A, I worked on that campaign. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Uh, that, was, that was, yeah, a great achievement, kind of receiving the first sort of number one award. Thank you. <laughs> if there's one thing you could tell your younger self, what would it be? Um, probably just to persevere, really. I was saying to somebody yesterday that I probably wouldn't want to be starting a company now if, uh, uh, yeah, if, if Insanity wasn't 20 years mm -hmm. old. I think it's a really different business to what it once was, but it's also hugely exciting business. But you have to persevere because the, the, the business especially is full of knocks. Um, there's always, always somebody that sees you as competition that wants to try and take mm -hmm. you down. Um, and I think by persevering, believing in the service that you offer, believing in the clients that you represent and believing your ability to guide and manage those clients mm -hmm. um, can hopefully only lead to good things. What's your biggest worry? My biggest worry, I guess, is um, that it's all going to finish, you know. I'm really fortunate that I have a company that I love, uh, people within the company that are, are, are some of my closest friends as well as colleagues, mm -hmm. and I love waking up every day and coming to work. I'm, I know that I'm fortunate and, and that many people wake up in the morning dreading kind mm -hmm. of getting that bus or the tube or, mm -hmm. or, or the, 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 the train or the drive into work, but I wake up every morning super early and I... I'm so excited to come to work and to see what happens during the day. Have you ever failed? Oh God, I've failed many, many times. Mistakes that I've made uh, that have maybe resulted in opportunities not being explored to the best of their ability. Uh, mistakes that I've made maybe in terms of the way I've handled a situation mm -hmm. that may have led to someone being unhappy. Um, but my grandfather uh, told me once that a mistake's only a mistake if you don't learn from it and that's something that I tell my guys on a daily basis if they come to me kind of slightly upset or annoyed with themselves that they've maybe not handled something in the right way so long as they've learned from it mm -hmm. then surely that can't be as bad as what they think it is and what is your vision personally and professionally mm -hmm. over the next five years Personally and professionally, um, I guess I'm very fortunate that my wife is also incredibly supportive of me. Um, so uh, I, rem I remember actually uh, I did an article when I was 12 years old for um, the, uh, the Telegraph on being a young entrepreneur. <laughs> and one of the quotes within that article, which was hugely embarrassing at the time, was... Um, 
they, they kind of asked me, what, what do you want to do when you grow up, basically? Uh, and I remember saying, I just want to do well in life, perhaps have a wife and kids. Mm-hmm. So I think I've kind of... You're halfway there. Yeah, kind of, kind of got that. So, uh, so yeah, and I think with the company, I, I've got kind of ambitions of opening further offices globally. I think we've always said that if we can have a client who's flying to Los Angeles, but we've got somebody on the ground there to be able to mm-hmm. take care of business whilst they're in town. Similarly with New York, similarly with uh, Australia and Asia. Uh, currently today, actually, we, I really sort of pride myself in having this belief that my team need to be where they think they need to be to be able to do the job that they have to do. Mm-hmm. So... As of today, we've got our team here in London. Uh, we have the LA office that I mentioned. Uh, and I've got one of my uh, members of staff, uh, John, who's currently in Asia. So we kind of have like three continents covered, basically. Uh, but the dream one day would be to have, yeah, the whole world covered with some kind of insanity uh, operation. Everyone's insane. Is all publicity good publicity? Absolutely. Can you be famous for absolutely nothing? You can. Do celebrities sign away their right to privacy? Uh, To a certain extent. Is social media screwing up the world? No. Do you worry about young people today? Absolutely. What size are your feet? Seven. What are the three ingredients that go into success? Wow, okay, that's a big question. I think that you have to be honest. Um, I think you have to be uh, determined. And I think you have to be uh, ambitious. And how would your wife describe you? Uh, A workaholic, slight mental head. What about the work-life balance? Has that ever been a struggle for you? Absolutely. I think... uh, my wife worked in the creative industries as well and, and has kind of worked in jobs from interior design through to her kind of current role, uh, which is relatively similar to mine in, in sort of music management. Um, and I think that she impress, impresses upon me the importance of work-life balance. And yes, I am a workaholic. Yes, I am a little bit OCD and I don't really like to go to bed with... Uh, with any business being unfinished Um, and I think from my perspective over the last two years especially I was going through a period where I was traveling a hell of a lot I was in uh, the US continuously and I was traveling to watch clients perform uh, gigs take part in TV shows um, undertake branding assignments and I was literally never at home And I kind of thought to myself, if this all finished tomorrow, if I don't have a family unit to go home to, then I'm kind of, yeah, Yeah. what what have I got, basically? Um, And there's also that cliche of it's great to be doing exciting stuff, but if you haven't got somebody to share it with, then what's the point? point? So, yeah, most definitely in the last two years, uh, the the importance of a work-life balance and and, and having time at home is, is as important as traveling uh, to do good stuff. Do you think that money can buy happiness? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think I've seen people uh, that have earned enormous amounts of money but have been deeply unhappy. I've seen people that have no money 
that have been probably the happiest people that I've ever met. So I think that money doesn't buy you happiness. It buys you the ability to probably have more opportunities than those that don't. But for me, money's not a motivator. Like I, I get up excited in the morning because I love coming to work and I love doing a job. Mm. Um, there's probably an argument to say that as a kid, I could have taken, or, or when I finished university, I could have done a graduate training scheme and gone to work in, in the city somewhere mm -hmm. and earn and, and an absolute fortune. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I would be happy in the way that I am now. Do you think you'll do the same thing with your future child with the £1.50 a week pocket money? And is, are they going to come with you to work? Are you going to try and Absolutely. instill the same? Absolutely. I think the, the grounding that my parents gave me from such a young age and, and watching them work for every penny that we had mm. was something that inspired me. And, and my father uh, retired a couple of years ago and, and is now enjoying the benefits of, of the, the hard work that he's put in throughout his professional career. Mm. So I think for me, yeah, absolutely. When I do have kids, it's, that's gonna be super important, making sure they understand the value of money and that they work hard for it. Mm.